Discover new mind and body hacks to thrive as a human today. The Institute for Aliveness is here to teach you all the things you never learned in school. From talking poop, sex, childhood trauma, emotional intelligence, psychedelics, and of course, fasting and food. This is a podcast that changes lives. Join your host, Dr. Andrea Page, as she travels seven continents to find the most captivating, impactful humans for you. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome you to a new season of the podcast. This season, I bring you some of the most important embodied people in my life. From all over the world, people I've met along my journey, I thought, hey, why not share them with the world? This episode with my friend Rusty was a really fun one. We get to drop into relationships and uh, the portal of relationships for self-growth and self-discovery. Lots of key pieces of the puzzle here. We reinvent nonviolent communication. Rusty adds a fifth step. And he's just someone that I feel is a really clear voice who speaks from honesty and playfulness. And so make sure to listen all the way through for all the gems of this one. Enjoy. to talk about whatever is under the umbrella of relatedness, relatingness, relationship, other relational entities, as well as the first man of this season, which I'm stoked about. And um, yeah, perhaps holding the male point of view down in all of these topics from texting to sexting to sex to relationship to non-relationship or what'd you call it unrelationship an an unrelationship that's right (laughs) well all of these ways that we males and females or males and males or females and females or transvestites and females or okay i'll stop there (laughs) all of these ways that all of the different peoples of all different genders and identities interact um that's kind of the overarching theme of what we we get a chance to talk about now uh, and anything else that comes up <laughs> great so listen, i'm really happy to have you here thank you for being here and um what i would love to kind of start off with is uh your biases this is how i always uh-huh. hear the audience listens to me to let them know kind of where I'm coming from and with that what I would love for you to share is a little bit of your story like what is your coming to be like how did you make who you are now and what was that what was that recipe like wow that's a that's a broad question and what are my what are my biases uh just to clarify Andy as in you mean my my gender my preferences my things like that <laughs> <laughs> or just uh, no, just open it up and let's see what comes too. out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> i'm left-handed is that no, a bias <laughs> <laughs> that might alienate uh, nine-tenths um, of my audience right there <laughs> biases in terms of like if you come from a specific school of thought or you have a specific foundational belief that's going to shape everything you say which I, might oh. be the kind of group you like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Biases on perspective, perhaps. Um, yeah. I tell you what. In in most of the in most of the personality studies, kind of tests like Women's Weekly, kind of what kind of lover are you quizzes that come out. I mm-hmm. tend to be pretty. Um, Ambiguous is not the word, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely a generalist. I'm definitely someone who 
gathers ideas widely and systemically looks likes to likes to likes to pass the, the systemic patterns across schools of thought. So I'm not I'm not biased. I'm not like a particular uh, yogi, though I've studied studied yoga. I'm not a particular school of thought in Chinese medicine or uh, school of philosophy um, or anything like that. But I will borrow and steal and grab um, all of the good ideas I find from studying <laughs> those and kind of put them together into something that I believe is is cross-cultural and applicable to mm-hmm. to all human beings. So I guess that kind of leads a little into some of my story of how did I get here. Um, mm, cross-cultural story. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Australian, if you hadn't already picked it up, though uh, my accent's fairly not too Australian. I can speak Australian for you if you want. <laughs> I know. That helps. Like it's coming out. It's yeah, on. mate, it'll come out later if you need it. It's always there. Um... <laughs> I traveled. Okay, put it away. Yeah, <laughs> put it away, please. Okay. I worked as a geologist on the mine sites, uh, full of men, full of hairy men, and then became a hippie, lived on the East Coast, uh, eating pineapples and studying Tai Chi with an old lady in the forest. And then for about a decade, I lived in Melbourne and studied every natural therapy under the sun. Um, so body work. I taught kinesiology. I taught Hawaiian shamanic massage, tai chi, qigong, meditation, reiki. I did NLP, hypnotherapy, uh, Japanese acupuncture. I taught retreats in personal development based on Rumi's poetry. It The list goes on and, and it's a little embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and I kind of got to a point where I felt like I put it to it's it's very easy to be spiritual when you live in the monastery. You know, I was, was mm. working miracles every day. I was surrounded by people with similar worldviews. I was quite young, and I just kind of wanted to check myself and check this, this false identity, I think, that had grown up around me. And so I broke, I cast all of that away and went out kind of seeking what was real in the mainstream world or in a world where nobody knew me, nobody cared what chakra or star sign or or um, system of thought uh, I came from, just to see what was real. And I actually went to Saudi Arabia of all places and um, was working as a geologist again. Did that for many years. Nothing like a reality check. Of course. You know, I would I would literally be, I was used to working in roomfuls of naked women at some point and then went to Saudi Arabia where I literally would not see a woman at all. And um, yeah, was interested in, you know, what, what is the, what does the healthy masculine look like as well as what does the healthy feminine look like? So I worked in Africa. I worked in the Middle East. Again, always refining a lot of my thoughts. And I guess now I arrive at a place where I am letting go more and more of a lot of belief systems. There's that beautiful saying, if you want knowledge, then add one thing every day. And if you want wisdom, let one thing go. And I think it's really important to accumulate knowledge, to be a seeker, to go around going deep into one system or many so that you can arrive at a place where you go, oh, I can start 
embodying this and then letting it go. And I feel like I'm at a place where I, I really know that I know nothing now. And um, from that place, things arise which seem to be uh, of use to people or perspectives arise which seem to be relevant to people uh, in terms of their relationships, their relationship to life, to work, to sex, um, to money, to all of these forces which which have a real impact and which we spend a lot of time thinking about and trying to make our peace with. Um, so I guess that's, that's a condensed version of my story with, um, with lots of room to go digging. Uh, shall I pick up a shovel? <laughs> sure, sure. You'll hear birds in the background, by the way. I'm walking by the river and uh, enjoying a little stroll with, with you and uh, everyone listening. So... It's just letting yeah, you know what the sounds are. are. Yeah, that's right. The banks of the Swan River, the which Swan is where the River, black, which ah. is where the where the black swans come from. Actually, I don't know if you know the story of the black swans, or the black swan effect. You mean the Natalie Portman? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, not necessarily. Haven't seen that movie, but um, for a while in I Europe, there uh, in Europe, uh, they have white swans, and so. When Captain James Cook came to Australia, he saw for the first time black swans, which was like a, a revelation to everybody. And and the, the story or the metaphor from that is that you might only ever see white swans and think that the world only has white swans, but just because you've never seen a black swan doesn't mean they don't exist. And um, so I remi I'm reminded of that every time I, I walk down here and see them. I see, I see. And that can be <laughs> applied to any generalization. Like, women Correct. only want this. Right? That's the right one. Totally. There are yep. women. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Mm. Yep. So, tell me a little bit, I'm picking up the shovel, about your own relational experience and your, your trials, your tribulations, your triumphs, and your tribulations. Aha. Good question. Um, with respect to relationship, I tend to I tend to focus more on on the relating. So I think one of my one of my biases then, if you'd like, is to focus on the relating first and how you engage or interact with with another person. And then the relationship will take care of itself the form will take care of itself I think we're very quick to want to define things you know are we going out are we monogamous are we poly are we just dating are we seeing each other and other people are we just not defining anything um, and that's that's kind of very normal for the mind and the mind likes to categorize things and define things because it gives you a sense of, mm. of control this is this is what we're doing and these are the boundaries and um unfortunately i found real life to be somewhat different to the way that uh i've liked to define things in the past and i find that relate focusing on the way i relate uh the way i communicate and I guess the practice of authentic relating, which is in parts the revealing of what's going on underneath, what your real intentions are, 
then the form of the relationship just drops out naturally and effortlessly. And, and as things change, because they inevitably will, things, you know, your relationship is still harmonious. So for me, oh, <laughs> to reveal a little of my own story. Yeah, that's I, what we want. <laughs> yeah, I, not not married, never married, have certainly some shame around that um, in terms of wanting to wanting to meet that cultural that cultural tick in the box of like you know you date someone you marry you know it's you have sex you you have a view to marrying them never done that don't have any children had many lovers I've had a few a couple of long-term relationships and it's interesting to to define what long-term is uh but four years is about the longest and yeah but in terms of the intimacy of my relationships in terms of the the you know the closeness and the growth that has occurred i'd say um very well you know certainly have many many deep relationships and still do so i guess that's a little mix of the the particulars and and some of the generalities there and uh mm -hmm. pretty much all with women do you have any anecdotal uh, explanation of like one time when it went really wrong and what you learned from that? <laughs> I've got several, Andy. Which which one should I pick? Um, good, good lord! I guess. Well, I guess. I guess the one which I bored most of my friends with um, oh, <laughs> is is uh, well, I met this girl course it was it was one of those very um karmic kind of kind of meetings we met on we met on facebook just chatting just chatting about another friend we didn't know each other we were basically teasing him i didn't even see a picture of her uh her face on facebook and then suddenly we started flirting or or engaging with with each other and there was just this this energy, this kind of this feeling that overcame me as I was as I was chatting with her, and I followed that feeling. I kept on connecting with her, and it turned out she was. Oh God, this is this is such a this is such a big story. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm kind of getting a little shy around how much I reveal here. Let's just see. We'll, uh -huh. we'll just go for it. Yeah. We, she ended up uh, coming from Scandinavia and she was lovely. I felt really met on many, many levels and thought, wow, this, this is someone that I could really journey with. Um, she was on a quest to discover her sexuality. She was, she'd been kind of anorgasmic for quite a while and was just on this real quest to to reclaim her sensuality and her orgasmic potential, and you know I was like, this sounds great. I'm I'm well up for assisting her in this exploration. <laughs> and she was she wanted to be open. Um, she wanted to see other people, and I was working in Africa at the time and was away quite a lot, and that worked for me. 
again, it comes back to the quality of our relating in that I felt very emotionally connected with her and knew that one of her priorities was to explore. And I felt that this connection was strong enough that even if she was um, experimenting with other people, that our relationship would be strong. And so, and also because I couldn't see her or be, or be uh, living in the same place as her, that, that kind of made sense as well. So, and I mm -hmm. fell in love. I, and one of the ways I know that I fall in love is when I'm no longer okay with a no. And by that, I mean, if she, if I said, look, I'd love to see you or I'd love to take you out to dinner, or I'd love to do whatever. And she said, no, I knew that that would affect me. Whereas most of the time when I'm, you know, when I'm interested in somebody, if they say no to any request, it's like, well, of course, you know, that's your, that's your boundary. That's your right. That's you just being you. And it's not a problem. But in this case, it was like, oh, okay. I am definitely attached to this, to this woman. And she, she started to go deep into this tantra cult um, and eventually became the girlfriend of the, of the tantra cult leader and just went on a deep journey into all sorts of madness, which, um, which I've only ever heard stories about. But she definitely left me far behind. And I think I spent, let's say, let's say, that we, that, let's say that we were together for about, I don't know, a very small amount of time, let's say three months. I spent two and a half years kind of getting <laughs> over her. It was like one of these dreadful, these dreadful heartaches which just resist all, all notion of logic or, um, or uh, any, any kind of sense at all that you might have of life or the sense that you're in control of your own heart or anything like that. It was two and a half years of kind of constantly thinking about her, trying not to think about her, um, and just agonizing over, over this, this breakup. And um, that was really, really humbling. That's probably the first time that that had happened to me. And it's, uh, it's happened again. It seems like I go in these three-year cycles. Um, but it certainly happened again. And um, it was just a very, very humbling experience and kind of showed me these parts of myself that were clearly not integrated. And, um, yeah, I have a lot of compassion for for the role, for heart, for heartbreak, for, um, yeah, for these, for these wild rides that, that love can take us on. The length of relationship and length of, of heartache afterwards really reminds oh. me of um, my first boyfriend, which didn't happen until I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was kind of that girl who grew up and boyfriends know and um, then I was <laughs> studying in Australia at the uh -huh. University of Wagong and um, met this French guy who just swept me off my feet. He was, I think, six years older than me and uh, doing mm. some math research and French, of course. And mm -hmm. um, that was really, it was so much of my formative um, coming to be when it came to definitely sex. 
relating at large. And um, I mean, it was great. We had so much fun. Super deep. I fall in love. Uh, uh-huh. And then at the end of the semester, I moved to China to teach English for summer, and he was still in Australia. And it just, you know, it didn't make sense. Like I would, I would stay in when my friends went out in Shanghai, and I was pining for him. And mm. I was really clear because because I've always been a friend. I was really clear on like Andy, this is actually not supporting you. And uh, we, it's not like we are making plans for the future, like I'm going to move this around, like I'm not going to really have anything And so one day, I was just like, hey, why? You're my girlfriend. I was like, why? Why am I still your girlfriend? <laughs> and yeah. so after that, like three to four month relationship or whatever it was, it was uh-huh. no longer formally in existence. Uh, and yet... For two, two and a half, maybe even three, I don't know, years after, I totally pined for him. And we uh-huh. reunited the next summer a little bit. Um, yep. But, yeah, it's that, like, whoa, it's, it's, it's something I feel like that has to do with our foundational experiences and relating that haunt us mm. the most. And it's less to do with the person and more to do with what they awaken inside of us. I totally, I totally agree. I mean, Harville Hendricks says that relationships are there to finish off what was incomplete in childhood. So like that sense <laughs> that, you know, if you were looking for something from your parents, which you never received, you know, certainly in my case, it's it's words of approval. Um, if you if that was never completed in um in childhood, then you you look for that in your relationships, um, consciously or unconsciously, and usually unconsciously, and um, and yeah, and you seek to repair. And I think that's that's kind of very natural. I think everyone does it and it gets a bad rap you know this sense that oh you should love yourself before you enter into a relationship and and that and there's also this other dreadful idea that if if the relationship fails and we can explore what it means for a relationship to fail but if it ends then it's something it's something to do with you you know there's some fault in you um as to why the relationship has ended and i think that notion needs to be taken lightly. I think that, you know, if a relationship breaks up, like mine, for example, like yours, like probably everyone on this planet who's ever, you know, dated somebody, um, it's a nice point for self-inquiry to go, okay, what was my part in that? Um, and then, but not to have it lead all the way to there's something deeply wrong with me. Um because that's a that's a pretty devastating place to to conclude and not very helpful. It's not very resourceful uh, yeah. for you yeah. as a soul. Yeah, I mean, at, like the breakup is just so much aggression towards self or other. Mm. And like, it seems mm. to be like a well, the, the womb the wound of like, oh, he's awful, he's evil, he did this, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 or I'm not good enough, um, whatever core belief we're kind of aggravating there, I'm not good enough, or um, I didn't deserve this, or I fucked it up, or what I'll be alone my whole life, or whatever it is, uh-huh, uh-huh. negative thought patterns 
are such the habit at, at the stage of breakup that maybe we can talk a little bit about what healthy breakup looks like. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Um, yeah, this, this, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of information there about how to find, you know, find the man or woman of your dreams. And there's lots of information there about how to have a good relationship, but there's very little out there around how to have a healthy breakup and, or a transition and what that even looks like. Um, and I think I was just going to add that one thing I think I've been very lucky with in terms of my breakups is most of the time I've, I've come away without, without not brimming full of resentment, certainly not brimming full of resentment for women or retaining some idea that all women can't be trusted or all women are crazy. I've, I've, I've not had that though. I know male friends of mine have, and, and certainly there's a lot of women who don't trust men from their experiences. And I think I've been lucky to not, to not retain that, to kind of retain a a very open mind and heart towards the next experience. You know, I think I, I remember being cheated on by one of my second girlfriend and that being pretty devastating, but deciding in that, uh, I was 19, 19. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I remember deciding back then, I'm not going to be afraid to fall in love again. And, um, and yeah, being very clear that that was a, a decision I wanted to make. So, yeah, how how conscious I really was, I don't know, but I guess I'm lucky I made that I made that decision. Um, and yeah, and so I think in terms of breakups and navigating them well, um, again, it comes down to how well you can two things I think: how well you can relate, how well you can communicate how well you can communicate with kindness and how well you can do the self-work which revolves around you taking responsibility for your own stuff and your own actions. And Okay, and so, so let me go over Let me go over this. So how well do you relate? So that's going to have shown itself during the relationship. Like if you're constantly texting and not really getting your message clear, or if you're yelling at each other unnecessarily, or you just mm-hmm. don't have the container in which you can sit down and have a conversation that's sane and no one gets triggered. So that's how well you can relate. The yep. second one was, what was the second one? Kindness. How well you can relate with kindness. Kindness. Okay, so yeah. kindness might be inaccessible for some listeners. I know for me it was for a really long time because you're sure. not just embroiled kindness and you're, you're super well in your own story then it's real mm-hmm. but it's like oh be kind and somehow then feels fake and so yep. um, maybe people can can imagine it somehow as presence and non-reactivity how well I can detach from my own desires and my own story and and just be here of like you say something that would trigger me mm-hmm. and I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna breathe through that trigger and be aware <laughs> of it and yep. when I respond to you going to respond without accusation i'm going to respond uh from a place of curiosity i often find that curiosity is the best gateway to kindness and so um that would be Mm. an example if that makes it hit home a little bit more for people listening and then what was the third one um how well you can do the work to own your own stuff and your own 
and your own uh, your own peace in the breakup. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love it. This is a master formula. So <laughs> yeah. the third, so the first one, the first one is your skills in communicating, which I've been teaching more and more over the past few plus. Uh, uh-huh. and love teaching. The second one is um, how well you can sit with whatever aggravation comes up and, and respond mm-hmm. from a place of curiosity, let's say, you say kindness. And then mm-hmm. the third, second one, and then the third would be... Doing doing the work, doing the personal work to understand your part in, in the breakup, whether you're the one breaking up or have been broken up with... Um, it doesn't matter. And it always hurts either way. So I was I was kind of reviewing them. And the first one was uh, about your ability to communicate. So literally your skills, just like you're skilled in typing or you're skilled in Microsoft Word or you're yep. skilled in whatever it is. You're skilled in communicating. You can communicate in a way that is not from your ego, right? That is not yep. triggering to the other person. That is not yes. violent. I'm a big advocate of nonviolent communication. Everyone knows that. So Yep, agree. I totally that agree. Angle, like, and that, that plays in hugely to your emotional intelligence. Because I don't know if you're doing emotional intelligence consulting with the past oh, good. startups in the corporate world. Ooh, yeah. I love so, it. Yeah, like that's the real stuff. We need to get those EQ skills up. So that's number one. I love it. Two then was what you termed kindness. Yes. It's really about uh, how much you're able to sit there and dispel or delay really your own reaction and triggering to whatever's said or whatever happens. And then Mm. subsequently how able you are to come at the topic from a place of equanimity uh, and curiosity yeah. And, yeah. and come and forward from that curiosity. To me, that's a good bit of kindness. Yeah. And, and I, would, I, would, third, I would add, yeah. I would, I would add with kindness, being able to hold the other person in the highest light, to not lose sight of their, of their heart, of their greatness, of their of, of their, yeah, their, their best self, I think, is, I would add into that with kindness. Yeah, I mean, why you fell in love with them in the first place? Correct. Yep, yep. And Correct. also, the fact that they're struggling, the fact that we're all struggling, the fact that we go mm, through this life to go through this mm, mm-hmm. that's compassion. So kindness, yep. I find, can be kind of more or less cheap. Right? Kindness is cheap because it can be fake, especially mm. from where I come from in the United States. But when you come into true compassion or when you come into curiosity or all these other things that can lead you to the outcome of what would look as, as kindness, but wasn't mm. like, let me be kind, um, I mm. find that you don't, you, you don't end up wearing masks and it, it, it's a bit more authentic. Mm-hmm. And then, so the, the third part then was... Um, it was how, what was it? Your ability how to do... Oh, uh, your own yeah. work. Your own work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I would, say that, I, would say that if the, I would say that if there's an order of doing these things, it's actually a reverse. It's, it's like, and this, I think this kind of goes beyond breakups, really, but really navigating any of the funky little quirks that inevitably... Navigating conflict in a relationship, because let's face it, that's always going to happen. And so 
you know, I think a breakup is is just one version of of, of a, one example of a conflict. Um, and so yeah, the for first sure. anyone have conflicts with your boss? <laughs> exactly, conflict anywhere with your with your with just other human beings. You know, I think if there's more than yeah, yeah, and. And even this extends further to the way that you deal with conflicts inside yourself. So if we're talking about relationship, we always, we usually think, oh, it's with an other, someone outside of us. But this is, this is also how you relate to the different parts of yourself, um, the different voices inside, the different aspects of, of yourself. And so you can equally apply this framework to to those internal relations as well. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a framework in terms of like step one, step two, step three, to just seeing like you called them what the keys to success. These are, you have to hold all three of these equally to be able to show up fully, wholly and integrally in any kind mm. of relationship that it is with yourself or with others. Yeah. Yeah. We love integral. And we love integral. Yeah, in integrity, right? Um, yeah. I want to also uh, exemplify the third. So if the first one was making sure that you have the skills of communication, right? Uh -huh. EQ, read up, Marshall Rosenberg, nonviolent communication, other ways totally. to communicate that are like productive rather than triggering for the other person. The second yeah. one is making sure that uh, you're able to show up from a place of curiosity, compassion, and that you suspend mm. all of the emotions that are coming through you to be thrown immediately at the other person in judgment uh, or shut yes. down to part of them. And yep. then the third one is going to be um, how willing you are to show up for yourself in your own growth. Because if you think you're perfect, baby, stop Ooh. stop listening to this podcast right now. Like we all have the space to grow, and that's yep. why we are in bodies right now. Like that's totally. why we're still here is because there's further polishing of the diamond that we are. And so this third part of how willing you are to show up, walking away from the conversation, smarter, stronger, better, not because Beautiful. you were right, but yes. because you were willing yes. to get on your knees and say, okay, there's something I'm not seeing here. Please show it to me. Please let me understand this situation Beautiful. from another perspective because I'm trapped in my own limiting belief system yes. and my own emotional reactions that have been unearthed from our interaction. And so like when you can have that desire and that attitude, that true deep desire for self-growth, which to mind, like mind you, at a level, that desire is the desire to be wrong. I have the desire to mm. be wrong. Because mm. when I find out that I'm wrong or I've failed, I learn and I grow and I show up tomorrow differently. And mm. so, mm. yeah, huge part of it. Yeah, I I remind myself that I'd rather be happy than right, and if I if I have that attitude, then I'm willing to be I'm willing to hear a different point of view to the one that I'm so attached to. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it means that we're both happier as a result, then everybody wins. Um, and so I'm always I'm always willing to be wrong, and I think at a certain point you start to as you're pointing to, you start to welcome that. It's like, oh, okay, here's, here's new information about myself, about some of my blind spots that I can, that I can use to, um, to grow, to be a better person. Um, I want to I add a little something 
Andy, the, the, the notion of kindness and your emotional, your ability to relate to the other person, we could coin this mm-hmm. as empathy. We could coin this as mm-hmm. empathy. What, I, what I've noticed is that empathy is like a seesaw with, with um, activation or being triggered on the other side. And that the more triggered you are, the, the lower your ability to be empathic, the lower the, your ability to, to hear the other person's point of view. And so it's super important that if you are aware that you're triggered or the other person is triggered, your ability to, to see the other person's point of view or to, to, to rest in kindness or curiosity is going to be it's going to be challenged and that's why it's super important to as much as possible do the self-work beforehand and really make your peace inside yourself with with what's happening um so if you're the one that's instigating the conflict or you're or you're the one presenting something you know the other person is not going to like then take the time to really get clear on on your real intentions here. And if, you've, and if you're the one who's just been dumped with the bad news, for example, then allow yourself the space to metabolize that before you, before, you know, you might say something that you could regret later. Um, and, you know, these are the ideal situations. I've certainly been in places where I'm the one just getting yelled and screamed at and it's and and it's not available for me to leave the situation and chill. And I've certainly been the one who's been out of line in, in, in many senses and and been a little unkind or unfair. And you know, at the end of the day, to try and hold the greatest compassion for yourself as we as we stumble our way through what it means to be human. Um, with the help of all these other beautiful souls around us. Yeah. And I want to say on behalf of uh, the dumpers, because that's obviously <laughs> the, the side that I often hold down, um, the uh-huh. one who's leaving, let's say, that could be one of my stories, is um, that it's not easy. It's like you once loved this person and you're mm. about to quote-unquote break their heart although you can never actually Mm -hmm. break someone else's heart it's them who allows it to shatter and drop and fall and when we all Mm -hmm. maintain our own hearts rather than giving them away to someone else in codependency then we have control over when it's broken or not because that conversation with ourself is strong enough and resilient enough to withstand any quote-unquote heartbreak but on behalf of Mm -hmm. the dumpers it's not easy like i've stayed in relationships way too long out of fear Uh yes yep yep same abs you know totally guilty of that as well and uh a really good uh you mentioned marshall rosenberg another really good thing if you want to know more about this kind of stuff is learning some attachment theory learning what your attachment style is, whether you're avoidant or whether you're anxious, whether you're disorganized. Uh, and I think we are, we can all be a combination of, of many of these. We are a blend of them, but you will, you will know once you start reading the descriptions, which way you veer towards, you know, are you more the one who pulls away 
and needs space and constantly feels over, um, overwhelmed or smothered? Or are you the one who is always texting, always reaching out, always wanting to know where the other person is? Um, those are two of the classic styles. One, the first is avoidant and the second is, is anxious. And, um, and they govern a lot of, of the dynamic of your relationship. Very revealing. So that's, it's super interesting because um, I know I'm avoidant. Uh, uh-huh. Full stop. Like Venus and Aquarius, uh, Venus and Aries and Mercury and Sun and Aquarius. It's not uh-huh. freedom. Yes. <laughs> I can relate. That. Like, mm-hmm, I know you can. <laughs> I've seen your chart. Um, so, so I hold, I hold the avoidant flag really strong for me recently in relationship as I'm hopefully let's see entering into a serious relationship which might end up in bigger things Mm -hmm. um I I find that I have more of the anxious like category oh yes not that it's true anxiousness like I don't feel it's anxious I just have such a desire for the other person and uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I was talking to one of my um, my mentors on my femininity my Chiron uh-huh. teacher um, uh-huh. Chiron passing over my Venus for the past year and so that's like it, it's a transit an astrological transit that's very much about reinventing who I am as a woman and looking at the wounds inside and how I act from the wounds rather than act from greater potential. And um, I talked to uh-huh. for anyone listening to the podcast, I talked with Grayson a lot about this. So check out that podcast if you want to hear more about that. But um, in my Chiron teacher and my femininity teacher, he said to me, and he knows me quite well and we've been romantically involved, not all the way, but like there's a strong karmic relationship. He said to me, um, Andy, you're not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, great, tell me. Like, that's exactly what I want, right? To be wrong, uh-huh. quote, quote. Uh, yep. And he says, but you're needy. And I was uh-huh. just like, oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> right? And and so then then I'm like, uh, and you saw my Facebook post, I'm sure, Rusty, where I was like, what's the uh-huh. difference between being needy and communicative? Uh-huh. Like, this is real for me because I, I have these highly polished skills of communication where the expectation is presence, right? When you have presence, mm. then you can have true communication when you show up. And that in this cocktail with desire... or what I projected on him that he wasn't doing good enough. And I go uh-huh. back to that same French French guy, David, right? At the age uh-huh. of 19 in Australia, I literally have a moment in my memory bank store uh-huh. where I say to him, pay more attention to me. <laughs> right. Like I said that. Right. Like at least at 19, I had that communication to realize like I knew what I needed or wanted or at least what I thought yep. I wanted and I thought someone else could give to me and I wasn't maybe giving to myself. Although yes. I don't know how true that is, but like I had desired more of his presence in an intimate uh-huh. relating way. And so that yeah. could be moon and Scorpio. I don't know. But uh, that uh-huh. neediness, let's say, stems back to there. So it's like, what is the antidote to that? Even though I know I'm avoidant, but I'm right. masquerading as anxious. 
Oh, I've got some good answers to that for sure. Um, yes. What's the antidote to neediness? And first, first of all, I have a little preface of like this: uh, the avoidant versus anxious kind of style. They're both they're both responses, I think, to the original abandonment wound, which happens with everybody. Mm-hmm. I think you know you come out as a little being inside your mum, and then suddenly you're separate. And so, irrespective of all the other catastrophic things which human beings can do to one another especially as a child you you are suddenly now separate and so there's a there's a sense of abandonment there and then amongst many other things that can happen it's how how you as a little child cope with that can shape whether for example you become anxious or avoidant so the anxious person will always be reaching out. It's like a, a Wi-Fi signal, always wanting to connect and going, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I okay? Am I okay? Are you paying attention to me? Do I matter? Do I matter? And, you know, so there's this pay attention to me, give me your attention so that I know inside that I'm that I'm safe. And that's that's the anxious style. And the avoidant style kind of goes, well, that didn't work out so well. I can't trust anybody. I'm going to do it all myself and and resource from the inside. And, you know, so these people appear very independent, but it's still and but it's still born from the same wound of, oh, I was I was separated at birth and I've never I've just learned to cover that up rather than to um rather than to repair it. And so getting close to another person uh, gets really scary because it's, it's a reminder of how much you really do want to be connected to somebody. Uh, but, then, but then the risk of being abandoned uh, rises again. So they're both different responses to, to an original wound. And so what, what helps – this is a very practical exercise which I've done with somebody – to build what I call the ground of health. And the ground of health is going to really facilitate the ease of your communication, whether you're skilled or not. Um, and it's going to help repair a lot of these, a lot of these relational challenges. Um, and so it's really simple. I'll just check. Are you still there, Andy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I just put it okay. I knew you were talking. Uh, okay, great. Just um, so... This, it's three questions, six questions that you ask each other at the, end of, at the end of every day. And they're really sweet. So the first one, you just ask them, tell me three things that you're grateful for that happened today. And they can be about anything. So it's, it's a simple gratitude practice. You know, I'm grateful that I could walk uh, down the down the river with my dad today. I'm grateful that I can share stuff with you guys on this podcast. I'm grateful that it's winter, but I can still be outside. And you share that with each other, just three things you're grateful for. And then you share three things that you are that you appreciate about the other person. So that's specific to the other person. So, for example, Andy, I, I appreciate your, your willingness to take a chance with me and invite me on the podcast. Um, I appreciate... <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your 
the I appreciate the depth of your questions and your desire to serve the people listening to this podcast. And finally, I think I just appreciate the way that you come at life with full power and gusto and that shows in everything you do. So there would be my three appreciations. Right? How good does that feel? It's lovely. Exactly. And so as you build, as you do this every day with your sweetheart or whoever you want to um, to cultivate a relationship with, um, it, it touches deeply that part which always wants to know, am I okay? Do I matter? Especially with it, when it's with a significant other, the stakes get higher, right? If you're just doing this with someone off the street and they walk away afterwards, it's like, no biggie. I didn't really know them anyway. But when you're attached to somebody, when you're, you're with somebody close that you're building intimacy, the, the stakes get higher, right? Um, and doing this every day is just a beautiful way of building a strong foundation of safety um, with each other. Where And I had it when I was, when I was traveling with a... With a a friend of mine that I really wanted, I was in love with her and we were doing this exercise. She wasn't available to be my, uh, to be my sweetheart. But, um, and I got, I got quite triggered by this, you know, of course my abandonment stuff came up. I felt very, very rejected and had to spend a lot of time dealing with that. And little things would upset me. You know, there was at one point where she was showing people some things that, um, some things that she had made and I wandered over and, and wanted to see and she got really shy and, and put them all back in her bag. And I took that, I took that so personally, you know, and I stewed on it the whole day, you know, that little wounded, abandoned part of me just felt so rejected. Um, but we'd been doing this practice of sharing gratitudes and appreciations and what happened was I was able to remind myself, Russ, whatever happens today, you know that tonight you're going to get three beautiful appreciations from this person that you care about. Um, and they're, and they're going to be, they're going to be really sweet and personal to you. And when I reminded myself of that, all of the anxiety dissipated and when I shared about it later, it turned out that her actions had nothing to do with me at all. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but I was able to hear that later. But this kind of practice of building what I call the ground of health with each other, um, it just makes everything better, Andy. It makes conflicts resolve themselves before they arise and it just builds a deep sense of kind of trust uh and makes life fun right you know we all know the practice of gratitude to be able to do it with somebody else is marvelous and then to share these specific appreciations is it's just a really beautiful practice and i highly recommend it yeah yeah thank you um i have a daughter and a need for the audience, which I always, uh, I'm known for my non, 
non-hippie, non-esoteric, non-kitsch, whatever. And so maybe uh-huh. people are listening who have never done gratitude practice and are like, whoa, that sounds silly. Uh-huh. Um, it sounds forced or contrived and I'd rather just be natural. And like that is very valid. And what I would say for those people in doing something like this is is gamify it. Like make it fun, make it mm. cute, make it seductive, make it all those other things that you would normally do. But the bottom line, like what what's actually happening there, it's not that it's a gratitude practice. It's that uh-huh. it is um, a way to communicate all of the unspoken things that you love about the person that they don't mm-hmm. know go through life assuming hey look i'm present with you i'm dating you i must love you and yet they don't know that yes yes your head not theirs so it's the excavation of all of your secrets that you hold about your feelings for the other person um in a very non-mainstream way the mainstream way would be sending roses to the office and say Mm, be mine mm. or i'll always be yours or i love you or like something non-specific to the person i mentioned um and that specificity and that actual like it's it's positive reinforcement in a way right like how do you train a dog good boy well things that that you love Right, that is good boy. They'll continue to do that. And hopefully they're doing them naturally as well. And you're just like fully unbridling and and encouraging that naturalness with which they come forth into life. And it's it's also a lot about being seen. And that Mm. that's kind of what I came down to in my story of of um being needy and and paying more attention to me. I'm not like, because I'm avoidant and not anxious, I don't, I'm like, it doesn't resonate so much that it's this separation wound um, on on a Mm. pivotal level on like what it feels real for me as is a true desire for intimacy and for someone to really meet me on a level of communicative ability whereby we're fully present with one another rather than Mm -hmm. just having me as a girlfriend as an accessory on their arm or on their whatever it might be um plus one or on their paycheck or whatever it is it's like Uh i I want Uh to be seen and i want to experience life fully with someone and so pay more attention to me is actually like be present with me like where are you please be here you've chosen to be in relationship with me kind of don't take me for granted it's more Uh of that right yes yeah yeah and the the, the the being taken for granted is a classic of of another avoidance really it's like you, you, maybe your sweetheart is a little more is is also avoidant in fact i would be i would be i would be probably certain of it because if you're identifying as avoidant in most of the time the, well for me when i've been with someone who's more avoidant than me i become anxious and it's really interesting to uh, really interesting to observe. I've seen this over and over again. And so, yeah, as an avoidance, we will speak for myself. I tend to not, um, I tend to not praise or give a lot of attention um, because my propensity is for space, for spaciousness, for freedom, for you know i need to stretch my wings and and to to make my own decisions and from that place i can then i can then return but if if my partner is more unavailable than me in comparison i start to lean in and want to go where are you i want to feel you give me some attention 
And so the other the other piece is, you know, if this is happening, your sweetheart may not know what's important to you and how you feel um, how you feel met and how you feel nourished and how you feel loved. And so um, even tying in this game of appreciations and gratitudes, if, if, if you're in the practice of manscaping, you know, of kind of training the man that you're with to, to love you even more or in the ways that you like, you can say things like, look, when you sent me that text, it just made me feel amazing. Or when you did this particular thing, I just loved it. I, you know, brought a tear to my eye or whatever the impact was on you so that they get a sense of, oh, this is what makes Andy light up. This is what makes Andy just flourish. And, you know, as a man, I like to be able to win with the woman that I'm with. And so mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you're willing to share some of the keys of the kingdom, the keys to your kingdom of what, you, what makes you light up, um, who doesn't want to make their sweetheart feel amazing, you know? As long as it doesn't come across like a list, a laundry list of I need these things and this and that and that, um, but it comes across as a, as, a, as a set of requests or just this is the, this is the driver's manual for Andes, you know? This is what makes us tick. This is what makes us purr. This is what makes us happy. Um, yeah. And you can share that with each other. I think... Um, yeah, I remember that's... when you first you first taught me this practice and it's so valuable and I do it. I actually do it now in, <laughs> when I work with startups and things like that. Like how, what is your user care manual? How totally. do you best like, to be spoken to? How do yep. you best interact? Either on what platform or in what hours of the day? Like, what is your biggest turn on in whatever way, whether it's in friendship or in relationship? Yeah, yep, yep. And that way you don't have to guess, especially as a man. Yeah. We, we like to win. And if we don't win, we, we go and take our bat and ball and want to play somewhere else. And so there's a, there's a great saying that I learned from one of the schools I studied with, which is along the lines of the pussy has the power, let the man win. So it's like, you know, you have the goods, you have the thing that we want. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to gravitate towards you in doing so. You've got to let us win or show us how we can win with you. you know, it's the crows giving us a message. Um, you know, what is it? what is it that will put a smile on your face um, that we can do not out of obligation, but out of, out of a desire to, um, to light you up. And uh, yeah, I think that's really important because men, you know, it's a cliche, but you know, we, we need reminding, we need things to be spelt out. Um, We're not, built to be as intuitive or as emotionally intelligent as women are in general and um yeah so it helps if things are things are explained to us you know in black and white and without too much nuance um mm-hmm. so yeah that could also be you know it may not be a lack of a lack of desire to connect with you it may be that he doesn't know how or yeah is just is just unaware of what the best way is and then how many fun ways can you find 
to to share that with him and to enjoy that when he does do those things. And from for men to women, what what advice would you give to men? Um. Oh, there's a great there's a there's a great this comes from men are from Mars, women women are from Venus. You get one point. You get one point for everything that you do. So and this has been my experience as well. Whether you take your sweetheart to Tahiti for a holiday or whether you just bring her flowers uh, that day or whether you pick her up from her class after school uh, and surprise her, you get one point for each thing. And so it's the little things that really count, the little acts of kindness um, and the little acts of noticing uh, of noticing what makes your partner feel good or is important to her that will just bring far more joy and fun and light up your sweetheart um, than any amount of, of massive holidays will do if you take her for granted for the six weeks beforehand. And um, I mean, the, but at the end of the day, the the bottom line is that we all want to be seen and relationship in all of those things from childhood and mm-hmm. from returning separation. It gives us a massive opportunity to see and be seen, and that's mm. see ourselves as well mm. as see another, and be seen mm. by ourselves as well as by another. And so my kind of advocacy would be for people to carve out space and time in their daily life or in their weekly life where they sit and say, mm. you know, like you have a quarterly review at work. Well, how about this is our <laughs> weekly review and our relationship of like, these are the things that are working for me and these are the things that are not working for me. And it's not like when you leave your socks on the floor, it's not working for me. It's like, cool, when you leave the socks on the floor, uh, I feel chaotic and like distracted because my need for organization and a clean space isn't being met. So in the future, would you be willing to to pick up your socks and or hire a maid and or um, like just get in the routine of putting them in one place and I'll pick them up every day or whatever it is like just come to some kind of resolution and that's when the relationship is building that's when you're actually constructing a house for the relationship to live in rather than mm. just staying in the trenches of warfare um, yeah you, you yeah have that foundation which you can build yeah that's and a beautiful that, I think it's a be- sequence right? yeah yeah, I think that's a it's a beautiful NVC sequence, isn't it? It's like this is yeah. the the hmm. And I would I would the add in the human that's not being met. Or sorry, the observation, the feeling, the human need that's not being met, and then a clear correct. request. Yeah, and and I would add in, I would add in how it, I would add in what it feels like if you do do that. You know, this this is letting letting the man win, like. I, I hear the consequences of leaving my socks there. Now I want to, that's the, that's the stick, but also tell me the carrot, like what happens when I pick up my socks? What happens when I, when I leave the toilet seat down? What happens when I pick the dirty things up off the floor? What does that do to you? And as a woman, you can show that to your man, like show when it happens show him how how delighted you are so that he gets that 
that impact inside him. Good boy. Well. Exactly. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of, you know, words of affirmation and displaying how delighted you are. And um, yeah, it's and why not? Why wouldn't you? Life is life is about being uh, life is about enjoying it, enjoying it with somebody else. So if they're if they're doing those things, demonstrate that enjoyment. And uh, yeah, what a wonderful way to live life. Yeah, and. I would say to kind of tie it all in, like what I'm advocating for is, again, excavating that time in your life so you can be present with one another. And if that's your date night, if you go out to a restaurant and do this or whatever you want it to be, make sure that that space is there uncompromisingly in the relationship where you're doing the work of relationship. Because if you're in relationship and you're not doing, quote unquote, the work, you're not mm. having these conversations and spaces that you're growing from, then your relationship has a hole in the bottom of the boat and it's it's about to sink kind of thing, whether that's five years down the line or 20 years down the line. Like it is breaking down or it is building up. You have this mm. exciting factor on, on which it is. And mm. um, yeah. So I yep. love that you rewrote Martin Rosenberg. <laughs> Added in like a little fifth step. I think that's awesome. Um, totally. Um, hey, when you leave your socks on the floor, my need for, or like, hey, when I don't hear from you until 11 p.m. because you have to work late, I, mm. I feel anxious and mm-hmm. um, worried because yep. my human need for clarity and presence um, and my human need to take care of you and know where you are isn't being mm. met. So in the future, would you be willing to just send me a really quick text that tells me where you are and what you're working on and when you expect to be home? Um, and if you were to do that or when you do that, perhaps that would be the phrasing. So this is the mm-hmm. step five of the new reinvented MB- NBC and Marshall Rosenberg's <laughs> since he's passed, we can rewrite it. It would be uh-huh. when you do that, I, I will feel or I feel um, at peace and I feel great respect for you and yeah. I feel present with you through that late working crazy night. Mm, mm, yep. And then, then, yeah, then that, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. It kind of throws in um, the Queen's Code by Alison Armstrong. That's another totally. one of these feminine books to read of um, like kind of saying to the man what he's providing to you because that is his ultimate role is to provide. And um, yep. yeah. yeah. And men, it's... if you're listening to this as a man, ask for these things from your woman. Maybe she didn't listen to this podcast. Uh-huh. Beautiful. There's another, Alison Armstrong is one of my heroes. Um I've read The Queen's Code, I've, and I really recommend another audio by her called Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women. Um, it's, mm. about, it's about the stages that men go through. Um, ladies, it will help you identify where a man is at in his life and what you can expect from him, um, mm. especially... Especially as, um, you know, it's most women I meet are keen to have a long-term committed relationship. And this, this, uh, this audio really allows you to identify the signs of when a man is, is ready or wanting to do that. Um, and it just gives you this, 
when I when I listened to this, I at once wanted to to cry, wanted to be held by her, wanted to kiss her. I just had all these amazing emotions running through me because she really understands what it is to be a man from a you know from the outside and has this amazing compassion for the journey that a man will go through and all the different phases and I think be enormously useful for for all the women listening to to have a real sense of um, appreciation I think for what men go through and how to identify the various stages that they're at and to appreciate them for where they are and uh, yeah I, I recommend I recommend this kind of audio to to just about everybody, man, man or woman. Okay, wait. So tell me again the title. I'm literally downloading it now. <laughs> it's called Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women. Okay, can't wait to read it. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, and I guess the last thing that I kind of wanted to say um, for everyone, because it's like a human advocacy thing, is that when you are in relationship with someone, you are not seeing them synthesize pure. You are not able to say, oh, he's just like that. Because the moment you enter into, into relationship with someone, you are entering into the cocktail of both of you mixed together, all mm -hmm. of your karma. You're not seeing a synthesized pure version of him and nothing that you interact with can be judged purely as he's like that, or he did that, or he whatever, or she. It's mm -hmm. all fully the karma you hold together. And so your experience of sex, as well as relating with this person, is going to be colored by whatever your, as I would call it as an astrologer, your sinistry is together. Uh -huh. And the more yeah. that you can start to kind of mine into that, sinistry and and figure out what the elements between you are what magic you bring up in each other's lives and what threat you bring to cause avoidance in the other one mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, and and so like really doing some deep dive work into that like obviously i'm hugely biased as an astrologer that astrology uh -huh. holds these keys and these clues to know uh -huh. and so whether that is getting a mystery reading or whether that is downloading the app the pattern i don't know if i've told you about this rusty but ah it's, someone um, else gave that to me yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's spreading like wildfire it's re it's a very exciting time it's based it's based fully on my astrology teacher's teachings put in completely uh -huh. non-astrological terms speaking to people about their astrological transits and the imprint of your natal chart in a way that's really accessible and very relevant. And so almost mm. everyone who downloads it starts reading it and receiving the, the notifications and says, holy shit, this is uncanny. How did this know this? And uh -huh. um, yeah, I mean, millions of downloads we haven't even launched yet. And so something wow. like that where it's totally democratically downloads, totally available to you. And then like uh -huh. the work I do with astrology, I make it cheap and super readily accessible to people because I do have a desire to democratize astrology so that these uh -huh. secrets of, of like the hidden patterns of our relating with specific people are mm. able to be revealed. And then once they're revealed, once we know the, the, kind of programming that's been put upon us from past life mm. or karma or birth or 
what, however you want to think about it, when we know the influences that are upon us, we can start to act from a place of mindful awareness rather than just like figuring it out blind in the dark inside without knowing the, the actual patterns that are there. Yeah. 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 One of my, one of my friends is, has used astrology as a, as a remarkable guide to both understanding your own patterns. And then, as you said, the synastry between you and your sweetheart and what, what the work is, what the karmic work is going to be. And uh, yeah, it, it absolutely enhances your ability to navigate these challenges and, and to bring so much more mindfulness to it rather than kind of blindly uncovering oh that's what yeah that's why we're meant to be together um yeah, yeah it's beautiful beautiful uh-huh. mm. anything else you want to share so much andy but uh <laughs> i think maybe we can do it we can do a uh a follow-up later if it's of interest to your listeners um, okay everyone can let me know yeah, for sure. But I, I had an absolute ball. And if there's um, if there's anything else that is that is really present for me, I'll I'll write in and um I'll leave something for your listeners. So uh, <laughs> write in on the radio. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It. And Rusty, where can people find more about you and follow uh, up with you? That's a good question. You can't. Um, I'm a little underground <laughs> at the moment, so you'll have to find me through Andy. I am on Facebook uh russell price and i think i'll just leave it there uh as i said i'm i'm quite underground at the moment and and just enjoying the uh the alchemy that's coming from that place Uh, but by all means if something in here inspires you reach out find me through andy or find me on facebook and uh yeah i'm i'm very available well thank you so much for your time and for your love and thank you to everyone listening for doing the work Mm, absolutely yeah it's been an absolute pleasure Andy and thank you I was listening to that for you if you learned from or moved by the episode pay it forward go to Apple now and leave a 5 star review so others can benefit Join the Institute for Aliveness for a one-week transformational fasting experience. Consider getting an astrology reading from Andy or enroll in the one-year health coach certification course. Whatever you do, don't let this learning pass you by. Do something now to impact your lifestyle for good.